Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. I'm Scott Santucci. I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked on over 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives. As analysts, consultants, or practitioners, we've learned the hard way what works and maybe what's more important, what doesn't. Our podcast is different. We use a conversational format to help share the experiences that only people who've been there and done that can provide as we have been pushing the envelope in the profession for over a decade. And in today's show, we're we're gonna discuss what changes in the marketplace that's causing you to re-examine the role of sales managers. What is this idea or concept of role ambiguity and why is it so destructive? And what are the five traits, timeless traits, sales managers should have to be successful in today's modern selling landscape? As usual, we start with a centering story to give our episode a theme. Scott, take it away from here. Thank you, Brian, and thank you all our listeners. I actually want to share a little bit, an idea actually shared by one of our listeners. And I was talking with one of our listeners and he said, you know what we're doing? Uh, We're actually having a, a podcast listening club. And what they're doing is they're listening, they're sharing with their team, that's cool. A podcast. And then they're all talking about it the next day to, to come up with ideas. And what inspired them was one of our earlier podcasts. It was the first one or the second one talking about uh, how difficult it is to do all the internal selling. And this particular uh, director, like, geez, that's a big problem that we've got. And he shared, uh, shared that uh, point of view with, other, uh, with his other teammates and and they all said, yeah, we have a hard time selling, whether it be the coaching program to the frontline sales managers or selling what's required with the, uh, uh, with the marketers. So they got this idea to do this podcast listening club. And we'd like to share that with the rest of you. Maybe that's a way that you can, uh, you can take uh, advantage of our podcast. That's great. With that, that's a pretty cool story, right? Yeah. And speaking of cool stories... Uh, for a very forced segue, uh, Plato. Yeah, I'm going Plato. Um, Plato nice. was one of the first people to write about elements, and there was a classification system that the ancient Greeks used to describe the world around them. And if you know, oh, I know this. I know this. Okay. Is it is it fire, earth, wind, and water? Close. Fire, uh, earth. Air is what they they called it, and then they added another one, melancholy or whatever. Ether, ether, yeah. Sort of space, right? Yeah, so yeah. you're right. And that those uh, those categories became the foundation for everything, and really that's where alchemy, you, you know, it w- was a big deal. And we we know alchemy to be kind of silly, 
But if it weren't for alchemists, we wouldn't have modern chemistry. Along came back to 1869, and yes, that's the same year as when we have the Brooklyn Bridge story. So a lot of great stuff happened in sales enabling history <laughs> in 1869. Yeah, I'm sure somebody driving down the road's like, that's the same year as the Brooklyn Bridge story. Yeah, yeah right, all of them are doing that right yeah, now. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty, oh my gosh, how uncanny. I'm pretty sure you're the only person on the planet that was doing that. Well, that's anyway, continue. For our listeners to, en- to engage in. But uh, <laughs> in 1869, same year as the Brooklyn Bridge story, but elsewhere in the world, in Russia, a guy named Dmitry Mendeleev was coming up with the idea, and he made an observation that said, what if we classified elements not by earth, wind, and fire, haha, uh, that's a band, uh, uh, but um, uh, not by the classic Greek one, but by their atomic mass. And at the time in 1869, they only had the ability to measure a few of the atomic, uh, atomic mass. So really, basically, he had a different lens on how to categorize things, which is really all, all it is. And using the atomic lens, what happened is he created what is now we now know as the periodic table. And you learn about this in chemistry, or maybe you've forgotten that you've learned about it in chemistry. And when he first produced it, there were only maybe six or seven elements in there. And he predicted slots that ultimately were discovered because of, uh, of how he thought about this stuff. There you go. So what <laughs> great piece of history, as usual, about what does that have to do with sales enablement? And I, I framed out a theme around sales managers. So what's up with that? What does that yeah. have to do with sales managers? Well, uh, it, it, there's a couple ways that this has something to deal with it. Uh, one is categorization. So one of the things that we're going to talk about here would be the categories of the attributes of what, what makes a sales manager a sales manager. And one of the things that uh, the elements in the periodic table are is really is just a classification system. It's just categories. That's it. The second thing, uh, the second reason that this is important is it's a from what to what. The whole universe, the whole idea of chemistry didn't start until after Dmitry Medelov's periodic table, because without it, it's not really a science. It's just a bunch of experimentation. It's just alchemy. So if it weren't for Dimitri, there wouldn't be chemistry. So you can blame him. And then the third thing that makes this so important is modernization. The world in 1869 was very, very, very different than the sandal, <laughs> the sandal-clad uh, pontificators of Plato and Aristotle. Uh, but yet somehow people kept doing the, the same thing over and over and over again. It took somebody different to look at it differently. And that's what we're talking about here is that the environment that we're selling in now is a different environment altogether. Maybe it's time to revisit what we're thinking about with sales managers. Yeah, I like that. And uh, this is an interesting one because uh, I often tell a story of, uh, hey, you know, raise your hand. If you believe buyers have, have drastically evolved, you know, in a room full of people, oh, absolutely, everybody shakes their head. Okay, uh, what, if you, what about marketing? Have they evolved? Absolutely. Everybody shakes their head. Oh, my God, I got so much stuff. Oh, complexity. Oh, digitization. You know, everybody talks. Mumble, mumble. Channel. Yeah. 
Um, what about what about IT? Oh, absolutely. You know, we're all in the cloud. Okay. Wow. What about products and how um, those products and platforms? Oh, yeah. You know, everything's in the cloud. It's subscription now. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. What about sellers? Oh my gosh, they need to change. But the boy, haven't they? They they're stuck in the 1800s. Everything's the same. Oh, they need to elevate. They need to be different. But yeah, their world's changed too. But yes, it's still the same. <laughs> that debate rages. And, then, and I say, um, okay, cool. What about, um, what about leadership? Oh, yeah. Everybody needs to be a better leader. Uh, build those cultures. We need to focus on inclusion and diversity and leadership. And Okay, great. What about sales managers? Uh, good question. The often forgotten sales manager. And that's the reaction I get. It's just crickets. They haven't yeah. thought about that. I, I think that's a great setup, Brian. You know, sort of going around the horn about how much uh, things have changed. And I think also uh, it's been my experience, and I'd love to know what, what you think about this, is so what actually is the job of a sales manager? What, what, are, what, are, they, what are they do? Right. Well, and, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, right? People can be a little defensive when, when you walk up to them and say, so what do you do here, right? It's uh, like the office episode office space <laughs> uh I, I have the obscure movie reference now uh but you know but that is a great question because it's it's uh you know something that i think every role has to go through certainly in my career i've had to ask myself what am i doing what is my my role and uh what's my value add and, and when you do that you end up a little bit out of the realm of your classic job description I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'll ask the listeners here, you know, uh, how many of you guys are doing exactly what your job description says? And um, most people would admit that what they're hired to do is, is not the same thing that they're being asked to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so is the same thing with sales management. And so when you ask that question, what do they do? I think the better question is, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is what's their, what's their value? Uh, and what, what, what are they asked to do? And what's their role and value contribution in the company? And I think there's at least two camps. I don't know what you think about this. There's the, the compliance-driven, drive your forecast, you know, look at the spreadsheets and do the reporting side. And then you have this, you know, a little bit air quotes, the coach. And, the, and, and these are presented as two, you know, bipolar, you know, bi, bi, polar opposites, you know, um, not bipolar, just polar opposites. Uh, of the spreadsheet jockey versus the coach, and those are your only two choices. And I think there's way more to that, and I wanted to explore that here on the podcast. But before we go on with that, what do you think of those two bifurcations? Yeah, I, I think um, in our world that we're in now with a lot of certainty, we like to put things into buckets. I think the reality is, is at least when I've talked about this, sales managers are human beings. And not unlike uh, most of us, if you've ever been in a situation where you're that catch-22 spot where you're being told to do one thing and the other thing that you're being told to do, you're, 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 you're going to leave um, something on the table. I think m mm -hmm. most sales managers want to do right for their salespeople. Yeah. Yet, they also, not yet, they also want to do right and they want to look, be looked at the eyes of all the things that are being asked of them to perform all the tasks. I think the challenge is that the number of tasks that they're being asked to, like uh, I've heard a lot of people say sales managers are spreadsheet jockeys 
Well, I think the people who say that don't really have empathy or really understand all the pressures that these sales managers are under. So I think what I think your characterization is very fair. It would be um, it's pretty easy to say the company wants me to enforce the forecast. So I'm going to live in the spreadsheet and manage uh, manage my sellers and ask them constantly, you know, where's your forecast and, you know, the weekly proctal exams begin. That's an easy thing to do because that is a request many companies have on their sales managers. Mm-hmm. But then it's, a, it's definitely a request most sales managers, particularly the ones that came through the field, don't like to do because they want to uh, do what they, they think and that's being client facing. So you have this conflict that's, that, that's rife. So I think your, your, your contrast uh, we're in the business of imposing compliance and making sure our sales managers are following the, you know, the road. And then the other one is um, we want to help develop our people. I think those characterizations are right, but I don't think we're going to find a pure sales manager that fits neatly into either box because they're pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. And then, um, so I agree. And, and maybe on this podcast, we'll, we'll explore a characterization. Uh, I, I certainly uh, have have some traits that we're going to share here at the end. But before we get there, I think if you look at and pause in this gap, you know, this from what to what gap that you mentioned with your story, and and you say, okay, well, what is the, what are the ca- uh, categorizations, right? And and I could I think the listeners could probably help us come up with a hundred different things that are that are coming at sales managers right now. But the, the, you know, three or four that come to mind, which are massively, you know, sucking the time out of the day of sales managers to me are, you know, marketing and sales aren't aligned to buyers. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a disconnect, not between marketing and sales. It's not about sales and marketing alignment. It's about marketing aligning to buyers and sales teams aligning to buyers and managers see that and they have to work through that. Um, another one is, how they're organized, and you and I have talked a lot about this, and this is becoming more and more prevalent in the digital transformation literature that's out there and the trends that you're seeing in TED Talks, the organizational structures of yesterday can't meet the needs of buyers today. And you see all kinds of new operating models and you know, organizational structures popping up. And, and managers see that, that their siloed views aren't helpful. Um, another one is, that these random acts of all the stuff that they're asked to do from attending a focus group on, you know, initiative 127 of the week uh, to, you know, uh, forecasting to uh, the new messaging, the new sales, you know, um, methodology, the new product push, the new CEO's mandate, whatever, are actually putting more burden on salespeople than, than helping them. And, you know, unfortunately, and we've talked about this on three or four episodes, the, the ideas or the initiatives and the programs and the projects that sellers need to um, participate in are actually helpful to sales and they create more complexity. And then you have a sales manager seeing all this, but what are they supposed to do? And that, that in, is where I wanted to put the, put the pause in here because that's the role of sales manager in that type of complexity and in that type of pressure from, from above, from, from below, from customers, from internal groups. I just listed three or four. There's at least, you know, another 10 or 15 that I could easily come up with. But my point is that's the role of sales manager to go in there and help sellers be successful. What do you think? 
I, I think that uh, what, what you're talking about, that all makes a lot of sense. And I think the, the question that uh, I'm going to answer myself here is, you know, kind of so what? So what? What, what, what business problems that, that that create? And I think the, this is the, the challenge of the difference between executing and operating. So this is one of those areas of what's the difference between sales enablement and sales operations. When you go through an operation standpoint and you think about things like span of control and you say, we have this number of salespeople and is it eight, is it six, is it 12, whatever that number is that somebody computes uh, in, in a management consulting uh, world, that span of control number, then we assign a sales manager for it. And for the most part, the role's forgotten after that. And so you have this issue if you, if, if you have sales managers who are smart people and they want to be successful and they're, they're mapped to a span of control number and there's all, this, um, all these different variables, you get a lot of confusion about who's responsible for what. So is the sales manager actually really responsible for enabling the rep? Or is it the responsibility of the sales enablement uh, department? We talked about that in one of our podcasts earlier. You should go uh, listen, listen to yeah, that. Yeah, and I totally agree because that, um, I mean, we're, we're obviously we're outside the realm of approving vacations or conducting performance reviews like every other line manager. This is uniquely sales. Yeah, exactly. About. And I think that's the, that is the, the lack of clarity that hu- human resources. So let's also talk about all the, all the cooks in the kitchen. Like all span of control conversations, that's as, as a consultant, you go through and think through the, the, those different, uh, you know, what are the rules of the road? And then you have all the HR requirements dealing with policies, you know, treating, uh, treating people, their jobs. Every, every, every function in the whole company has that. What makes sales managers unique is somebody is responsible for developing a group of people that report to them. Some people believe that responsibility should be the frontline sales managers. Other people believe that responsibility should exist elsewhere. Well, right there we have conflict. Another challenge would be uh, who's actually really responsible for developing the culture of the company, the culture of your individual team. You as a sales manager might want to be more aggressive or think that our, or the sales team might want to be more aggressive. And that might, that might conflict with the overall culture of the company. Uh, another example would be there's uh, lots of policies about using, uh, I'll give you a perfect example of that. The, e, the, um, the storage restraint. <laughs> so, uh, right. Using your 200 meg uh, laptop storage constraint. Is that what you're talking about? Or the the 10 meg, 20 meg email constraint. Yeah. And on the surface in aggregate, if you've got 50,000 employees, it makes a heck of a lot of sense that you're going to have a a storage uh, constraint because storage costs money. But storage costs pennies on the dollar. Do you really need to impose that kind of strategy uh, limiting at the quarter end? When salespeople are sending back and forth gigantic decks of PowerPoint presentations and proposals that have massive amounts of graphics, is that really what you want to be imposing? And these are all of the all of the nuanced variables that create an environment where we um, 
we basically create lots of sales prevention in this fuzzy that fuzzy zone and you call this fuzzy zone what brian role ambiguity which is yeah. uh <laughs> uh we laugh because uh when i got my phd i'd come at you with all these academic turns i'm like no really it's a thing it's a bad thing it's gonna kill us if we get don't get clarity yeah so when, like, we were, when we were just to, to give you guys the reference uh brian would bring up these terms role ambiguity and uh, the way he brought it up really frustrated me because I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Because um, yeah, I'd say, we have role ambiguity. We should fix it. And you're like, well, freaking fix it then. What are we doing? Go, go fix yeah. it. And then yeah, but what is it? It's basically, it's a confusion at the individual human level, basically, right? It's confusion, which is bad because you need clarity in today's world. But it's a confusing situation that, that emerges because the boundaries aren't clear at the job level. Right. And to, to, to add to that, basically what it does is whenever you have confusion, you create an action. And sales is all about action. And then what happens is when people see inaction, what happens? Actions are prescribed. And <laughs> so yep. you have people who aren't salespeople prescribing actions. They're the wrong actions. Let's face right. it. It's, it's, it's sort of silly to have a whole bunch of consultants come in and say, these are the activities that you need to be doing. And you go, okay, let's go do that. But on the flip side of that, right. And this is, you know, we're all driving, you know, back to our, our famous uh, drive on the way into work here, but I'll be like, okay, Scott, you know, uh, sales is a numbers game. You know, we have, we have certain metrics, we have quota, of course it's numbers driven. So an activity is king and, you know, numbers, number of phone calls. And also, you know, everybody's got to improve their win rates. Those are numbers driven. We have to, you know, capture more market share and wallet share. That's more, more numbers driven. And then, we, you know, then I would even say there's this idea of, you know, simplification. We need to simplify, which would cut costs out. But, you know, those are all numbers. So what's your, what's your point about activity? It's, it's, it's all those are important to have. Activities are important to have to drive those outcomes. Well, first of all, no one's really going to care if a sales manager cuts a lot of costs. It's the aggregate actions multiplied and waste that the misaligned actions of the entire sales force that are driven by this ambiguity. That's the real cost. So let's take that off the table here because that's a completely different exercise. And let's concentrate here on why does this matter for sales enablement and where are the opportunities for sales enablement? And then how do you even bring this up to a sales, uh, sales VP in the first place just to get the license to explore it? And so what I, would, uh, what I would do is say, we have a lot of people working really, really hard and the sum of the parts aren't adding up to the whole. We've done some time study analysis on our salespeople Let's do time study analysis on our sales managers and really understand what they're being asked to do. Something might be wrong. So that's kind of goal number one is, is to get that clear. And I, I think the goal ultimately of doing something like that is to come with a spec of what it is that we should, a stake in the ground for what, what our sales leadership, our sales managers should be. Brian, you have, you have some opinions on what that criteria needs to look like. In other words, think about this as the backbone. How do we flesh out so that we can get away from role ambiguity? And number one, please don't use that term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, it's just a that. label. Call but, me if you really feel a need to, to talk about yeah, it. Exactly. Call Brian and, <laughs> and discuss ambiguity. Do not call me. Now, just, now I know that my people are going to text me and say, roll ambiguity, because that's what happens when I do this stuff. We're all a sarcastic bunch of sales enablement and sales leaders. That's right. But at any rate, um, and I know it's in good fun, so don't worry about it. I'm not offended. But here's, here's really the, the, the crux, if we, if we get down to it. We have to be able to first give this fuzzy thing, role ambiguity and identity. So you need to go be able to do a study to make it tactile, to make it concrete. So that way somebody says, okay, Brian, now what are you gonna do about it? Well, what we, what we need to do is we need to create compensated models and we need to create all this other insight, but we can't do any of that unless tying it all the way back to Dimitri, uh, unless we have a modern way to classify that. Brian, right. you have some opinions of what a modern way to classify that looks like. What, are the, what, what do you think the five traits or how should we be classifying sales managers today? Yeah, it's a good question. And it, it, it should answer, and I'd love everybody's feedback on this, but you know, why do we have managers in the first place? And you know, we all know that it's, uh, you know, times are changing. So uh, the manager role needs to evolve. So what should, it, what should it evolve to in order for salespeople to thrive? Well, first of all, I would say that the, the modern sales manager needs to really demand service from the rest of the organization and from the company. They, they need to, to not be passive in what they receive, but they should have an expectation and they should hold others to that expectation in marketing and product, et cetera. And they should be influential across the internal leadership team to be the voice of sales and not abdicate that to somebody else, for example, in the training department. That'd be the first thing. The second one I would say is to help to help reps really focus on, and this, this is, this is, it's going to sound like a, you know, one of those universal platitudes, but help reps focus on what's important. The challenge is today, you know, with social selling and everything else, there's so much noise out there that helping reps focus on what's important uh, becomes incredibly difficult. You know, time is precious. It's way too easy to get distracted. So that's number two is help reps focus on what's important. The third attribute of a modern sales manager to me is to create the right environment for their teams to thrive. And in today's world, that environment includes frustration, um, a little bit of anger sometimes to vent. Um, and you know what? Uh, to, to the podcast that, that, that Scott shared, it actually, I hate to say it, but maybe we should all admit it, it's going to involve failure. There's, no, there's nobody out there that can just automatically go do what we're asking salespeople to do. And if you have, a, have, as a manager, have an expectation or if managers have an expectation that it's going to be perfect and that sellers can't bring their frustrations and their challenges back and their failures back, then you're never going to tackle those challenges. So that's the third thing. The fourth one is they need to develop their people. And there's a new spec for what that means. The relationship between customers and reps is dramatically evolved. To me, developing uh, reps means that they're developing reps who are situationally fluent in the sales process and understand how buyers make problems or, or solve problems and how to help buyers actually overcome buyer dysfunction. I automatically say in today's world that buyers don't know how to buy and there's a lot of dysfunction on the buyer side. 
So develop people who can tackle that and, and help peop, uh, buyers make decisions. That's the fourth thing. The fifth one is I think that they should become strategic again. Uh, I asked the question to, to uh, the folks I talked to, is sales management in that role a strategic role or a tactical one? To me, it's a strategic role. Uh, and that's to me the, the modern stint. But if you go back to you know, the 1800s, um, sales managers were the strategic force that drove the company forward to close more deals. And I think that's the rightful place of today's sales manager to cut the noise and to simplify and become strategic again. They should own the strategy to communicate value through sales conversations. They shouldn't give that up. And they should, back to demanding service, number one, expect that help from others. So those are the five that I have, Scott. What's your, rec what's your thought or what's your reaction to those five? So let me recap. Let me recap where we've been and put this into sort of a nice executive summary. We started out with Dimitri Melev and uh, the idea of having a modern way of classifying things. We talked about the reason, the phenomenon that's actually occurring is there's so many roles, there's so much change that there's a lot of confusion and that confusion is creating either inaction or worse, the wrong actions. Brian calls that, has a term for that, it calls that role ambiguity and role ambiguity is destructive at a multiplicative level. We talked about that business problem being invisible so that you should do a little bit of a study, maybe get that sponsored by a VP of sales just so that they can sleep better at night if, if, that, if that's not happening. And in order to do that analysis, that's what it looks like. So in order to do that, we, what we ultimately wanna get to is a common classification system for what our sales manager should do. Brian identified five traits. Sales managers should demand service from the rest of the company. That's one trait. Another one is help reps focus on what's important. The third is to create the right environment for their teams to thrive. The fourth is to develop their people to make them situationally fluent. The fifth one is to become strategic again. That's, that's my understanding of, of, of what was covered. Did I get that right, Brian? Yeah, and uh, I also say that that's to me the most critical role. Uh, the sales manager role is the most critical role to to drive win rates, you know, to capture more market share, more wallet share, and to overcome this complexity. Uh, that's to me why we have sales managers, and we should embrace that. So we what, should listen what, to them. What should our listeners do immediately once they've uh, gotten out of the accident that they had because they were just astonished by the phenomenon? Amazing miracle that Dimitri's uh, periodic table started in 1869 and so too did the <laughs> Brooklyn Bridge story. But, um, you know, kidding aside, what should somebody do today? What action can they take now to go start addressing this? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. My advice would be to first start with clarifying the manager role, documenting it on paper and clearly defining that profile of the future state of sales manager. From there, I would actually work with the management team to architect out the future state, especially with what they need to know and do to be successful. And then from there, think through 
how you might enable them to be successful through a series of initiatives. For example, how do you onboard sales managers in today's environment? What do you want them to focus on? What do you want them to reinforce? What types of frameworks and tools might you need to give them to be successful? So it doesn't just become a, hey, go coach type of an approach. And then finally, I would say, how do you know that they're being successful? How would you measure that? What type of feedback would you want to get from the sales reps they're managing? And then what type of metrics and measures would you want to instill in order to know if those managers are being successful in those relationships with their people? Excellent. So we're at time. Uh, this is a wrap. Uh, this is our, our, our conversation. How, again, to review, we're talking about a different kind of construct. Brian's given you great feedback. Brian is the expert on, uh, on sales manager activities. Give him a call if you, if you need help with this. If you'd like more conversation about that, please email us about, uh, about two things, actually. I'm going to ask you to email us ideas about how you can use, how you're using the podcasts uh, that, that we're doing so that we can share those ideas with other people. And if you have other ideas of how we can talk about these ideas and make it come to life more, uh, please email us your feedback. Thank you so much for your insights, Brian. That's, that's fantastic. I particularly like the way that you set up the, you know, all the different groups and who's changed, who changed, who changed, who changed, that group's changed, that group's changed. Sales management hasn't changed at all and what? <laughs> I think that's, uh, that, that's, that's really powerful. Thank you so much. Please visit us on iTunes. Please give us a rating. We'd love to see uh, somebody beat poop or give us some great stars. We're getting great feedback. We'd love to get uh, uh, share your share your feedback. It helps us, and it helps us help you. Thank you so much for for joining and being a part of Insider Nation. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.